Hello everyone, this is Shane O'Quinn, this is Garage Rant. Today we're talking about, let's talk about farming. Now I ain't talking about farming like you plant stuff in the ground and grow a, something to eat. Talk about farming workout. Let's just face it, I don't, every shop is equipped to do everything to a car. I mean, even us, we just, yeah, I like try to do as much as I can. But some things I'm just not equipped to do. I mean, we, I mean, we send out uh, the poultry work mostly. Yeah, upholstery work, that's a talent on its own. I mean, them guys are really skilled. It takes a lot of imagination to come up with all these wild patterns and stuff. And I, mean, I just I just admire people who can do that kind of work. I can do some of it. Hell, I can put some carpet in. <laughs> that's about my limit, I guess. Make some door panels, maybe. But, I mean, with sew a seat cover, you know, that takes some skill, special equipment to make it look really look good. And that's why a lot of that stuff's really expensive. A good quality upholstery job, man, that would cost you some serious money. I mean, you talking about, I mean, if you want leather, it's probably 15000 and up now. I mean, it's just outrageous. But like I said, that's skilled work. I mean, it's handmade. So there you go. But anyway, just talk, go back to talking about farming, farming workout. I mean, it's just getting hard to find people who can do certain certain parts of these cars and stuff. I mean, we got people who can do a lot of different things. We got a guy in Greenville we send our gauges to. Real talented bunch of guys. They do a really nice job. They always work like they're supposed to. And they look just really professionally done. I mean, that sort of thing, you know, that requires another skill, people. I don't know what we're going to do when these when these people, you know, just, I hate to say this, but they die off. But we've lost some good people over years doing little different things, these cars. But yeah, just, you got to think about this a little bit if you own the shop. Okay, I'm sending the upholstery workout, but that's going to reflect on you. Because people's going to look at that job and they're going to think you did it. I mean, you're the, you're the guy turning the car out. So you're ultimately responsible for everything on this car, no matter who did it. People's going to look at you. And if it don't come out right or it looks stupid or it's just crap work, it's going to reflect on your shop. And that's one thing you got to really really vet these people, you know, before you send work to them. It's like, oh, okay, I'll send this guy because he's cheap. No, cheap and good don't go together. That's just <laughs> that's a whole different subject. But you just got to stay on top of these things. If you don't, you know, you're going to get a bad rep. Say, oh, it's got this terrible upholstery work. But you don't do upholstery. But everybody's going to think, you know, they're going to lay it on you. You're going to be accepting all the blame. Now, the other side of that coin is, I mean, you get some good people. And it just makes the rest of your work look great. You'll be sitting there wondering, man, that, that job, all right, just looks fantastic. That makes my paint job look like crap. So then you have to pick up on that and <laughs> start doing better work there. But, yeah, it goes hand in hand either way. But the, the negatives will outweigh the positives. It just always does. People love to talk about negativity. If it's a bad job or something, you know, they're going to really blow it up. But if it's a good job, you know, you'll ask people to talk about it. But nah, they're like, eh. I don't guess it draws enough attention. Don't make them feel good or something to badmouth somebody or something. That's just the way people are wired. I think I just don't like a lot of people. I don't care to tell them. I like dogs more than anything. I get along with more of them than I do people. But, yeah, just getting back to this, so you got to really vet these people. I mean, it's hard to find people to do good work. Another thing is, too, you get customers. I had one here a few years ago, great guy, but, you know, he had a couple of buddies of his that done collision work and painting body on the side, too, you know, besides working at a body shop. So they agreed to paint his Bronco, and they done a knockout job on it. But I, I, these guys done good work, but some things they did do that I just wasn't happy with. I mean, they, they ruined, really, the roof on that Bronco. I mean, even the owner, he wasn't happy about it when he seen it. They took the roof. I already had it media blast and sealed in epoxy. Well, these guys, I don't know what they was thinking. They thought they would just sandblast it. I don't know why, but they actually probably used sand because they got to think so hot, it just sunk the center of this Bronco's roof. That thing would hold water. It would make a bird bath out of it. I mean, the guy the only thing he was so upset, he just uh, put a canvas top on it. And I never put the hard top on it. 
And I was like, no, I ain't letting this, nobody see this thing. So I made him take it home, put it in his building, and cover it up. The last thing I want to do is see a picture of this thing. And he goes, oh, look, everything looks great, but he really screwed that roof up. And that's what they would have said. The bad thing was these guys didn't even acknowledge try to fix it. They went ahead and painted it and buffed it with this damn big dent right in the center of it. I mean, this thing's probably two and a half, three foot in diameter. And I was like, you know, people do stuff like that. Don't even, they'll never do work for me. The hell with them. That's just crappy work. I mean, we stand behind everything we always did. Even if we lost money, we just, at the end, you got to make the customer happy. I mean, they're paying a lot of money for stuff. So you just got to watch out for everything like that. And just clowns like that, you just can't have them. They'll cause you more problems than what it's worth. So you got to steer your customers a little bit and say, okay, you know, if this guy's going to do this for you, he's going to give them the brother-in-law a price and do this. But how's it going to make you look? So you don't want to look bad, but people are sure will make you look bad in a heartbeat. So as a shop owner, you got to really stay on top of that thing. So you got to get these people, interview them, see their work, see their portfolio, see everything. I mean, no matter what they do, you don't want a bunch of crap coming back on you. I got a friend of mine right now. He's dealing with a transmission issue. He got one built by this real supposed to be reputable company, but things crap. It just didn't work right from the get go. And now he's just having the time, you know, trying to get his money back or get something resolved about it. So he's had to pay another company to fix transmission just so he, he can get it out to his customer and make his customer happy. Then at the end of the day, you know, he'll deal with it. But it's just dealing stuff like that. So, you know, look at the reviews. That is one of his things. He even told me that. He said, I didn't read none of the reviews. And this, they even got their own Facebook page for for people hating on them. Now, how bad you have to be to have your own Facebook page just to hate on you? That's pretty bad. So dig around, check around. I mean, find out everything you can about these companies that's going to do work for you. Will it be just like fixing a radio? We just lost a guy here recently. Talented individual. Man, he would redo his radios and actually put modern modern guts in them where you can run Bluetooth and stuff and they still, you, know, you got your original looking radio. Just a real talent. He passed away. So that's, so now we got nobody to do them now. I thought what we're going to do there. Because some of these aftermarket radios, they just suck and don't fit the holes. They look like cheap Chinese crap. Yeah, but hopefully we'll find somebody else who can take up that mantle and, and do a good job with it. So far, I haven't needed that service, so we'll just cross that bridge when we come to it. It is getting hard, though, to find people to do certain things to these cars. I mean, I, I get calls every day or two. Somebody always wanting, where can I get my car painted? Where can I get this done? I mean, the paint jobs are probably the fewest and far between. There's a lot of body shops. I've, I've discussed this before. I've done a whole podcast just about on it. I mean, uh, collision shops, you know, they're not restoration shops. Like restoration shops are not collision shops. So I wish they'd just stay out of each other's business. But at the end of the day, you got some of these collision shops. Oh, they just can't say no. That's all it is. They don't want to turn down work. I mean, I've been in that situation too, but you got to know what you're good at. It's like a little niche markets. You know, it's like we were just talking about. You know, you want to farm something out. Like the guys I know in Greenville does the gauges. I mean, they got a little niche market. They just do gauges. They don't do a whole car. So that little niche market, I wish I could find something like that. I'm too busy body, yo. I can't sit still. But find a little niche market like it, man. would be cool. You just do that one thing. And you just pack it up and ship it out and then go on to the next one. Yeah, just do your research. Take my advice. Just, just really dig into these people. You know who's going to do work for you. And just vet them. You know, that's all you can do. Hopefully do a good job for you. Make you look good. Because I'll, I'll tell you who aggravates me more than anybody. is parts stores. Here lately, we ain't been able to get no parts on them. I mean, ever since COVID, that, that industry's went to shit. That's all it has. I mean, it's always the same story, too. They're understaffed. We ain't got people here. Well, the warehouse ain't got no people. This ain't got no people. I'm tired of hearing it. Basically, at the end of the day, you just don't want to pay nobody. 
And another thing, they called a parts store, but there's no parts. They got probably thousands and thousands of dollars in inventory in Hot Wheels cars, hats, beef jerky, bras, panties, any other kind of toy you can think of, but they ain't got no car parts. My wife had a 07 Cobalt. It's a five-speed car, so it needed a clutch switch. Go in and get a clutch switch. Nobody has this thing. None of the big box stores, O'Reilly's, AutoZone. Nobody's got this thing. Everybody's got it at the warehouse. It's always at the warehouse. So I started just going to the warehouse, the main warehouse for all these parts stores. Charlotte is the main hub for a lot of these stores. So they they got their own little warehouses in Charlotte. O'Reilly's does, AutoZone, everybody's got the place. Uh, Napa. So I started just going to there. I mean, we want to wait an extra day because the little local store has to get it from the warehouse. Except the warehouses now don't have it. The clutch switch I had to procure, ended up getting it from Amazon. Found a part number on it, got online, got it from Amazon for like 29 bucks. So I probably spent 100 bucks in gas, which I probably should have called anyway. I'm a little bit old school. But that just blows my mind. None of these parts stores have parts. An 07, I mean, I'd, okay, I'd, it ain't that old. It ain't like it's a, a 1970. But it just blows your mind. These daggone parts stores, they need to get on the ball. Good friend of mine, he managed a Napa. It's a quick little story here for like 20 years. He done Napa stores. And he told me once, right before he got fired. This is funny. I'll tell you why he got fired. Uh, before he got fired, he's at a district meeting. And they just, they want him to cut back. This store he managed, he said the people there made too much money. He said, well, you got to pay people, you know, to get good quality people who will do a good job, you know. They didn't want to hear it. He said, they just need people to sell car wash. And, you know, and I believe that. They just need people to sell car wash. They didn't want to, you know, somebody who knew anything. They want somebody that don't know much of nothing. They don't have to pay him much of nothing. So he gets into it with Napa. Of course, about two months later, they figure out he's making too much money. <laughs> so they let him go. His name is Steve. Great guy. And uh, last time I seen him, he was happy. He went back to being a carpenter. I mean, he told me, he said, that's what he did before that. And just really enjoyed work and working with his hands. So, hey, there's always a need for a carpenter. So that's what he's doing now. These daggone parts stores, they just suck anymore. All of them do. I, don't, I mean, they probably do have good people working at a lot of them. I ain't going to put everybody in a big lump, everybody in a basket. General management of these stores just suck. You think selling a can of spray paint for 15 bucks. Now, that's what spray paint is. 15 bucks a can. This stuff, it, it better be better than House of Colors, but it's not. So you figure they can afford to pay somebody more than $9 an hour. So if you're listening to parts stores, hire some people who know something and get some damn parts in your store. Nobody gives a rat's ass about drinking a Pepsi and eating beef jerky. They can do that at the 7-Eleven. Why the hell do they want to do that at the parts store? When I was a kid, they was a little local parts store. It's still in business this day. That place has been there since early 60s. Great bunch of guys. One thing they had at the one end of the counter was a coffee pot. That was it. And you was lucky to get a free cup of coffee from them clowns. <laughs> a good bunch of guys, though. But that's all you got was a free cup of coffee. But they had the parts. They had parts for everything. They still do. Albert guy owns a place called Abingdon Motor Parts in Abingdon, Virginia. That's where mom and dad live. And that little store, I don't even know if Albert still lives. His family probably still got the store. I know the store's still in business. But I don't know if he's still living. Hell, he was old when I was a kid. But that dude, and he had parts for everything. It just blows your mind. I went there one day and needed some front-end parts for a 71 Camaro. Big block car, air-conditioned car. So I go to Albert. I said, man, I need the, some coil springs for the front. I need some uh, tie rod ends. need all the ball joints. He said, all right, let me go up here and I'll get it for you. I said, what do you mean get it for me? So I got all that in stock. Who the hell keeps coil springs for a 71 Camaro big block car? 
that's Albert. But he had a huge warehouse, man. And he used to tell me, he said, you can't sell if you ain't got it. And I always sort of lived by that in the parts business. Can't sell if you ain't got it. Man, but Albert, he's a good guy. I wish more parts stores were like that. Instead, we're stuck with the big box stores of parts houses. And they all suck. I'll lump them all into that. Yeah, the last family-owned auto parts store that I know of in Charlotte was a battery ignition there off South Tryon. Good bunch of guys. Been there since the 60s. Lynn and Frank, they were just great guys. Had a little machine shop in the back. Hell, Frank could build you a motor, rebuild you a cylinder head. Just really talented people. That type of service, it's gone now. They got bought out, which I get it. They've been there forever, and they wanted to retire. They got bought out by a company. Now there's condos on it. So now we're really stuck with the box stores. Because that's all that's left. That's sad. It's all that's left now is these box, big box stores. It's amazing. They just gradually pushed everybody out. All the little mom and pop places. They couldn't compete with the cheap Chinese parts. Of course, now they ain't nothing too damn cheap. Everything's up, if you haven't noticed. Especially car parts. They've got plumb outside. I had to buy an alternator the other day for a 1990 S10 Blazer. That alternator used to go for like 60, 65 bucks. That thing's $170 now. And that's for a remand one. I don't think you'd probably get a new one. But just so happened, we got a real good rebuild guy who does starters, alternators. About anything electrical like that he'll do. He's up there in Statesville. And it's just worth the drive to go up there, man. He's he done a nice job on a on a starter. You know, we had he put the correct nose cone and stuff on it. And man, I think we ride in the car. We, that's all the biggest problem. It was it kept breaking the damn nose cone off of it. Everybody said, oh, it's too much compression and all this crap. No, it was just an LT1350 Chevy. It wasn't nothing crazy. But come find out, there was a slight difference in the nose cones. And like I said, that's the starter that was on it. So he fixed it for us. So I just wonder if a lot of that's going to start coming back. But at the end of the day, where are you going to get the parts to rebuild an alternator? They're going to come from China too? I don't know. But I do know, I wish they had more stuff built in this country. Used to be, man, that stuff was just really great. I guess labor costs got too high and everybody's got too damn greedy. So now we're just stuck, nowhere to go. But part stores, if you're listening, at least hire some decent people and train them. That's the biggest thing. They don't train nobody either. I was in one, I don't know, it's been about six months ago, just trying to get some fuel hose. Three-eighths rubber fuel hose. Nothing hard about that. So I tell the guy behind the counter, he's a young guy. So I say, I need four feet this three-eighths rubber fuel hose, you know, for a carburetor motor. So it's not high pressure or nothing. He says, okay. So he goes in the back, cuts some. He comes back out with a piece about a foot long. I said, what in the hell is that? He said, what's your fuel hose? I said, fuel hose, hell. I said, I said, you can't read a tape measure, can you? I just flat put him on the spot. And he's like, well, no, can't read a tape measure. I said, look down. You see these floor tiles are a little 12. They're actually 12-inch square floor tiles. That's what's on the florist place. This is it says, somebody says they need four feet. Well, that's four of them squares. Lay the hose out across it, measure it off, and cut it. That's all you have to do. But nobody ever trained a guy. You know, that's what's sad. He probably could have done a nice job and probably still does. But somebody needs to train these people. Can't just put them back there and assume stuff. That's funny because, you know, you can't, like I said, you can't assume nothing. When we had people come in, you know, wanting a job or where he was hiring, that was always the first question I asked people. Do you have your own tools? That seems kind of silly to ask somebody that when they're applying for a job to be a mechanic or a, or a fabricator or something. Do you have your own tools? But no, that's a legitimate question because you'd be surprised if people ain't got their own tools. They think you supply everything. That just blows my mind. But it's always been that way. That's been like that for, God, 30 years. You always had that. That's always the first question. Another one was, can you read a tape measure, especially if you're going to come in for a fabrication job? 
I don't know how many people couldn't read a tape measure. I used to give them a little test. I'd pull it out and say, what's this mark? What's this? <laughs> or have them measure something. Same way with welders. I've had guys come in, man, I can weld, I can weld. Well, I'm going, you better bring your welding helmet because you're going to get a test. I don't believe you. I ain't going to call you a liar, but I just don't really believe you until I see what you can do. Last guy I hired for a welding job, he's all big, high, and mighty, so I just tried to throw some stuff at him. So I said, here, weld this, you know, this, uh, this aluminum. It's actually a thin piece of stainless. So I had the machine all screwed up to all the knobs twisted on this TIG machine. If you say you can do it, you better be able to set the machine up and do it. And he was pretty sharp on that. He figured out right away that that wasn't aluminum. So I felt a little better about it. And he set the machine. He, he welded this little piece of aluminum, and he done a nice job. So he could actually weld. So thumbs up to that dude. He was just a pain in the ass to work with, and I'm glad he quit. Because if he didn't, he was, going, he was on the verge of getting fired. So I'm kind of glad he just quit and went away and... Now I hope he's aggravating the hell out of some other shop. I guess I'm getting off a little bit of a tangent here. Let's get back to this. Yeah, just remember what it said. Do your homework. If you're going to farm out some work to another shop or whatever, just make sure they'll do a good job for you. Dig into them a little bit. Ask for some references. See their work. Do anything like that. Just try to do a little homework. And you parts stores. Buy some damn parts. Put it in the inventory. Hire somebody that knows something. Or if not else, hire somebody that you can train to know something. Because talking about these parts aggravates the hell out of me. So I got to get off here. Yeah, before I really say something and piss somebody off. So goodbye, part stores, and quit ruining my life. <laughs>